you are listening to Black Star Docs, a collective of female physicians of African descent coming together to share knowledge from our various medical specialties as well as from life. Listen in as we have real and relatable discussions on health, wellness, and lifestyle in a way only us ladies can do. Follow us on Instagram at Black Star Docs and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. Cheers. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Black Star Docs podcast. We're your friendly community doctors dedicated to bringing you reliable and relatable health information. My name is Dr. Tony Cote and I'm an ER doctor. I practice out of Houston, Texas. And we would first of all like to thank all our listeners for all the support and the feedback that we've gotten. We've gotten a lot of positive feedback and we're humbled by your responses. So today we're excited to introduce our new podcast on our primary health series entitled A New Year, A New You, Taking Steps to a Healthier 2021. And I want to start this podcast by introducing to you three of our doctors on the Black Star Doc team, uh, the talented two primary care doctors and an OBGYN doctor. Dr. Marsha is an OBGYN doctor. She practices out of California, and I'll let her introduce herself. Dr. Marsha Martinson, can you say hi? Hey, uh, my name is Marsha Arba Martinson, and yes, I am an obstetrician gynecologist. I practice out of Southern California. I work in a private group practice out here in our cities of Los Angeles. So I deal with a lot of uh, minorities, African-Americans, Latinos, and I see everyone essentially, but that's the majority of my population. Welcome. Nice to have you on here. We're excited. Next up is Dr. Sarah Ashite. She's a board-certified family practitioner from Texas. Dr. Sarah, could you say hi? Of course I can. Super excited to be here. Hi, everyone. I am Dr. Sarah Ashite. I am based in Dallas, Texas. I'm a PCP or family medicine physician, and we see everybody. We see people with diabetes. We see babies. We see old people. We treat a lot of transgender patients, people with HIV. So whatever you've got, we'll take care of you. Yes. Excited to be here today. Yes. Oh, my God. That's exciting. And then last but not the least, and just as talented, we have Dr. Bernice Edujemsi, who's also a board-certified family doctor from Texas. Welcome, Dr. Bernice. Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Bernice Edujemsi. I am an internal medicine physician who practices primary care. Internal medicine physicians see... Adults, 18 years old and up. My colleague, our talented family physician, sees everybody from cradle <laughs> to tomb. And, 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 right? And then I see, much. yeah, and I see adults and up, but we all do primary care. I do do a lot of diabetes management, high blood pressure. I also do do um, women's health. So I do pap smears. Of course, if, it, if there's anything that, you know, is above my training, you do, you know, end up with our OBGYNs like Dr. Marsha here. So I'm happy to be here today, ready to answer all your questions. And look, internal medicine physicians, we're here for you. We're your doctors for adults. Thank you so much for clarifying that for us. And we're happy to have all you doctors on today. So let's face it. It's a new year. We had a rough 2020 and everybody's ready to move on. And I'm hearing from our listeners, especially as I work in the emergency room, 
people are more dedicated now to taking care of their health. And of course, I believe it starts with going to see your doctor and getting into some kind of a relationship with your doctor so you can get all your issues taken care of in a timely fashion. Right, doctors? Right. Yes. And so in that thread, we're just going to jump right ahead and go to some of the first issues that people have contacted me with. So, Dr. Um, Sarah, you already mentioned this a little bit, but what exactly is a primary care physician? What do you do? You know, Dr. Tony, you actually hit on something, a key word that I think is very important, relationship. So a primary care doctor is a person that you go to who is your medical home. This is someone you establish a long-term relationship with who sees you and treats you for a broad array of conditions, be it chronic conditions, if it's high blood pressure, diabetes, asthma, as well as acute conditions like you know, bronchitis or the flu, or God forbid if you got COVID. But it's a place that, you know, essentially you see this person every year, at least once a year. They have your history. They know you very well. They can serve as a very good advocate for you as you navigate the healthcare system. So sometimes if you've seen a specialist and you don't really understand what is going on, they obtain your records, review it, help educate you and kind of walk you through life, you know? So that primary care physician is essentially the person that you go to as your medical home. You have an established relationship with them. They know you, you know them, and they walk you through this thing called health. So this is a very important relationship then throughout your life. Exactly. It's not something that should be punctuated. It's something that should be longitudinal. Continuity. Yes. Absolutely. That's very important. So Dr. Bernice, For some of us who have maybe never even seen a doctor or we've been lost to follow up, I know I'm guilty of this. And we're coming back and we're a little bit nervous and we're thinking, well, what kind of appointment do I make? What am I supposed to be doing here? Can you talk to us a little bit about the different kinds of appointments and what to expect when we get there? Sure. If you haven't seen a doctor or you have never seen a doctor, I think the first step, if you've never seen a doctor, is to make an appointment to meet with a doctor to get to know the doctor first. So we have some appointments like that where in certain clinics, they will ask that you do a meet the doctor appointment. So that's not your physical, that's not you know, for any type of health issue is really just to get to know the doctor. Then you have your appointment, that is your physical. So your physical is normally your annual visit, right? Where you're supposed to do preventive health. Most insurance companies expect that when you go to this appointment, you're not coming with complaints of having headaches and this hurts and that, because then it's no longer a physical, right? It's no longer a well visit. Now that's a sick visit. So as a well, it's just like taking your child to a well child appointment. That's where you come. We screen you for diabetes. We screen you for high blood pressure and other diseases. We get to talk about diet and exercise preventative medicine, how to stay healthy. During this appointment, you make, you know, you get a full physical. Some women will put that together with their well woman visits. So I've had appointments where is their physical. So we will include the pap, you know, doing your pap smear, doing your pelvic exams, breast exams for women and men. During the exam, we do testicular exam. And then based on conversation with the patient as a man, we may or may not do a prostate check. And there's a reason for that because we've had 
different as you know as the years have gone by evidence has come out that that exam is not necessarily you know as necessary as we thought it was so it's more of a conversation between you and your doctor and we decide if we're going to do you know the digital rectal exam during that time we'll also talk about other screening exams like screening for colon cancer if you are 50 years and up you would need screening for colon cancer based on race family history you may need your screening earlier than the average population. So if you have a family history of colon cancer, then we will discuss screening either once you turn 40 or 10 years earlier than the age at which your family member had colon cancer. Same thing with breast cancer. We will screen, we'll do breast exam, we'll do your mammogram, schedule a mammogram, so we wouldn't do the mammogram right there, but we'll do the breast exam, refer you for a mammogram, most women are starting at 40 years with, you know, guidelines to say start at 45, but 40 to 45 years is where we begin that conversation. And then also, again, if there's a family history, it might be sooner. So your, your physical, that's what most people term it, or your wellness exam is where we discuss all this and do all the screenings. Then you have your sick visit where you're coming in with some type of complaint. And during that time, we're going to focus on the complaints that you have. Oh, wow. This is very interesting to know because then most of us are kind of used to having a sick visit. I did not realize that adults can also have a well person appointment, just kind of like how we do for our kids where, you know, you just basically go in and get all your um, recommendations and screenings done. In addition to if you have an actual issue, then you can also make an appointment for a sick visit. And I should add that for our elderly patients who are on Medicare, they also get what we call a health risk assessment. It may be the extended version of the physical, but there are certain things that will be done also during that time. And I should add that, um, and I think Dr. Marsha will talk more about the you know, women's aspect and the type of screenings that one needs, but there's more that we'll do during that appointment, including going over all your medications and everything. So Dr. Sar, do you have anything to add? Yeah, you know, I want to kind of reiterate what Dr. Bernice had shared. You know, there really is a difference between the physical, which is a preventive exam, and even your regular chronic care visit. You know, oftentimes I'll see patients and they'll say, oh yeah, I had a physical. And to them, they think because somebody drew their blood, well, if you drew the blood, then that means you, you see everything that you need to. But what people don't realize is that there are very specific labs that go with the physical Mm -hmm. that may be completely different from what your doctor drew related to, you know, your chronic conditions that you see them for regularly. So these are completely different visits. And it's, it's very important for patients to know whether or not they've had a physical versus just their general regular visit, or even the visit that they went in for their abdominal pain may not have even picked up other things that could be going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, all right. So Dr. Marsha, is this also applicable to you? Are you seeing people only when they're sick or do you have some kind of a routine maintenance that you also do in your office? Yeah, so again, as an OBGYN, I do primarily see women and we do have, you know, what we call the annual exam or the well woman exam. So for me as an OBGYN, I do see women or even young girls starting from 
adolescents, especially once they've started their menses or okay. their menstruation mm-hmm. all the way, you know, until they're in their, you know, postmenopausal years. And with the well woman exam, we do, you know, it is focused mostly on the reproductive health. And so with a well woman exam, usually we're doing the pap smear, for example. And again, some of this overlaps with what Dr. Sarah and Dr. Bernice do as well. We, you know, talk about when you're due for your mammogram and we talk about when you're due for a colonoscopy I also go over you know menstruation whether they're having regular periods we talk about contraception we also do STD screening so there is a lot that goes into the well woman exam and so even though it's supposed to be more of a preventative appointment sometimes it does end up turning into a complaint of some kind, because sometimes when you ask a patient about whether she's getting her menses every month, then you end up in a conversation about irregular periods and a patient who maybe is trying to get pregnant. And so it does sometimes turn into another whole different type of uh, appointment where for the most part, they want it taken care of right then and there. So, you know, sometimes that, that then ends up leading into more appointments and it's not just the preventative care anymore. But generally, that's what happens in my appointments. As an OBGYN, I do straddle primary care and then also considered a specialist because I also get a lot of referrals on the GYN side, especially when, for example, a patient goes to the emergency room for any, you know, pelvic pain, menstrual irregularities. I get referrals for those and then just referrals for a lot of other, you know, gynecological problems, fibroids, ovarian cysts, things of that nature. So all of this underscores the fact that it's very important to have some kind of a relationship with your primary care doctors so that they can pick up on some of these things. A routine exam or a, a physical might end up being an appointment where you, you talk about something else that pops up, but that's important to your health care. Yes. And then even as a OBGYN and dealing with women's health, sometimes the women that I see, especially if they're healthy, they may not necessarily have a family medicine doctor, an internal medicine doctor. So I end up being the primary care health physician for them. And so I do, you know, try to explain to them about making sure that they're getting the mammograms and the colonoscopies and try to establish care with a family medicine doctor so they can have the screenings for everything else. Sometimes we do those screenings. And if we see any abnormalities, we recommend they go see, you know, a family medicine doctor or internist. I have to say I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of using my OBGYN as my primary care doctor. But again, we have that relationship. And so he's happy to see me. Yes. I think we all do. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you're such a busy professional, you know, you try to put, you, you try, you try to put yourself last and then you're like, well, I'll just go to one place and just get everything done and not yeah. have to worry about it. So now I want to talk to my OBGYN doctor about my A1C. And then they're like, no, not the right place somewhere else. <laughs> yes, definitely. So. Let's say we, our listeners have gotten to a point where they've taken the plunge. They're like, this is the year I'm going to do it. They've made one of these appointments that we talked about. And it's the night before the appointment and they are ready. How do we get ready? How do they get ready for that appointment? Anything special they're supposed to be doing? I have a lot of um, listeners that um, have questions about to eat or not to eat, to fast or not to fast. And if you're going to fast, what time do you start? What is the time frame? Do you fast for every appointment or for specific appointments? Yeah, I will jump in here. So when we are talking about your wellness appointment, again, it depends on the type of the clinic that you're going to. In some places, they will do the labs before you come in. So they may have already ordered the labs that you need. For a routine appointment, 
routine physical or wellness appointment, you'll be screen, being screened for diabetes. So they'll check your blood glucose, which is your blood sugar, and check your cholesterol. And for those labs, you do need to fast. Normally, the lab requires that you are fasting for at least eight hours. So normally I tell people after your dinner, you don't eat anything else till the next morning if you have an early appointment. If it's for a lab for a fasting lab, I do recommend that you try to get a morning appointment so that the fasting is really overnight and then you can go in and get your lab work done. In clinics where you go into the to see the doctor before labs are done, make sure that you fasted overnight. And even if it's an afternoon appointment and you can't get a morning appointment, you have to remember to fast. So when I say fast, what can you have? People ask me all the time, can I still have my coffee with cream? You can have your coffee, but no cream, no sugar, just plain dark coffee. It's fine. Nothing else. You can't eat anything with sugar. You can't eat anything with fat in it. Really don't eat anything. drive by Wendy's before coming? (laughs) You cannot eat Wendy's. You can't have a smoothie. You can't have any of that. Water, 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 water. But if you do need your caffeine, if you need to drink tea, then just plain tea with no sugar, no cream. Don't even put Splenda or any of those sweetness. Just don't we put can't stay, stay hydrated with water. <laughs> mm-hmm. Lots of Bernice, water. Do, you, do you advise your patients to take their medications even when they're fasting? So it depends, right? If it's a medication for their blood sugar, for diabetes, then I normally, and it has to be taken with food, I ask them not to because that's why I ask for the early morning appointment so that they can come in, you haven't eaten anything, you come in and then you can get your blood work and you can have your diabetes medicine. But for blood pressure meds, I still advise patients to still take their blood pressure medications because by the time they sit down in my office, they haven't taken their blood pressure medicine and blood pressure is like 170 over 100 and we don't want that. So. And we I think it's for- crucial what time you get your lab scheduled to. Yeah, we see a fair amount of these on the, on the ER where, you know, they did not take their blood pressure medicine. So by the time they get to the doctor's appointment or to the surgery center or whatever they had go- going on that day, their blood pressure is already in the 160s, 170s, and they get sent to the emergency room, which is fine. We're happy to see you, but it can be easily resolved by remembering to take your medicines, especially the blood pressure medicines, even when you don't eat the night before your appointment on the day of your appointment, just stick to those medicines. And like Dr. Bernice said, with medicines like um, for diabetes, insulin and other pills, that you can hold until after your appointments, correct? Yeah, and then I always ask that patients pack a snack. Have a snack with you, have uh, if it's juice or something, but just have a snack with you so that right after the lab, you can have something and then take your medication. Oh, you never have to tell me twice to pack a snack. <laughs> I've got all of that. I've got all of that all the time. <laughs> but anyway, so moving on. So on the day of the appointment, I got elderly pa- um, parents. Well, my dad is elderly. Mom, you're not elderly. Please forgive me if you hear this. But <laughs> she's gonna kill me. <laughs> You're young at heart, mama. But you know, I got elderly parents and they want to get to your appointments on time. My dad, if you let him, he will get to his appointment an hour ahead of time and just sit in the waiting room. What's a good time to show up? 20 minutes, 15 minutes. I mean, on time, you know, like me. If you're like me and you're so busy, I'm running in there one minute to my appointment time. So what do you think? 
I can, at least for us as an OBGYN, if you're coming for your annual exam and maybe this is the very first visit that you're seeing your doctor, so you've never met them before, you know, sometimes there's paperwork that you need to fill out ahead of time. Sometimes you're able to do that on, online before you actually show up. So depending on whether you're able to do those things ahead of time will depend on how early you should show up. If you know you're going to have to fill out some paperwork, then maybe you come about 20 to 30 minutes early. If you did all of that online, maybe come about five to 10 minutes early so you can, you know, make sure you have enough time to walk to the to the office. Um, you're not rushing because a lot of times when patients are rushing, that's when you see those elevated blood pressures that when they right. sit down and get their vital signs taken. So I think it depends on the appointment. If you have the opportunity to do the pre-appointment stuff, which is doing anything online to, you know, get your history there ahead of time, that makes things move a lot faster. And I think that will depend, that will allow you to know how early you should show up to an appointment. Anyone else want to add? Dr. Sarah, how do you handle this in your office? Yo, come in early. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's really, really important, you know, like, so, so let me explain a scenario for you. Most of the time my schedule is packed. All the appointments are 20 minute appointments. Most people show up for the appointment and it takes the nurse maybe about seven to 10 minutes to room the patient. So if you come in right at your time slot, essentially what you're saying is I'm okay with the doctor seeing me only for 10 minutes, which is not the case. I'll give you your full 20 minutes, but then what you're doing is allowing the person behind you to be seen later than their scheduled time. And so um, coming in early, at least 15 to 20 minutes early, ensures that you are ready to go right at 8 a.m. when your time slot starts and you get your full time with your doctor and, you know, you're not eating into anybody else's time. It's always good to go early. I agree. I want to piggyback on that because one, a, a doctor that I worked with that was a little bit older always said, when you have an appointment for anything, whether it's surgery or coming to an appointment, he akins it to going on a trip, like to a, a plane or a flight, right? You don't show up for your flight at the time of the flight. Otherwise, you're going to miss the flight. So mm -hmm. you know you're supposed to get there a couple of hours early. It's the same thing with your appointment because there are certain things that you need to do to prepare. For example, if you're having surgery, you know you have to get there a couple of hours early because, you know, they got to get the IV in. They got to draw the labs. They got to get you admitted to the hospital. So it is important to get there at at a decent time, depending on what the appointment is, whether it's surgery, et cetera. But yeah, you definitely never want to necessarily show up right on time. You should give yourself a little bit of time to and prepare for the appointment. Don't be late. Yes. Yeah. And I wanted to say that I do see this on social media a lot that, hey, I was 15 minutes late to my appointment and the doctor didn't want to see me. But then I come in and I wait for the doctor for like an hour. And I need to charge the doctor for it. So I see this a lot. And I just oh, yeah, wanted to talk about that. Complaint. So, so this is the issue. And again, we've talked about it. You're not the only patient, right? So if everybody coming in is late, right? The right. doctor is already way behind. And then you also come in and you are late. And like you've missed your flight already. The doctor is going to try so hard to work you back. And most doctors will try. If they can, they'll let mm -hmm. you know. Because you may end up waiting for the whole day. Right. But when you come into the doctor and you're waiting for that long, it's not that the doctor is purposefully punishing you and, you know, making you wait for one hour. A lot of times for like our OB gins, she might have had an emergency. 
being called in for a delivery, something. Mm-hmm. So as a patient, you need to be patient. Whereas, yes, you were, you know, late and the doctor couldn't see you. It's just because some, most of us are overbooked or, you know, somebody has something. Sometimes I have to hold somebody's hand because they were just diagnosed with cancer. Although they have 15 minutes, at least Dr. Sarah's office, she has 20 minutes. When I was in private practice, I had 15 minutes per patient. And this so was by the time, said, not by you, but mostly by um, insurance constraints. Yeah, right. this is just what's in the clinic. And so I'm doing my best, right? But if you come in and I have to break bad news to you, mm-hmm. I can't break bad news to you in five minutes. I'm a human being, you're a human being. I have to give you time. And so I hope that, you know, you will also be gracious to the next person who I'm spending time with the next time you come and you wait. So there's a lot that goes into it. I value your time as a physician and I know you value my time too, but then let's also just be empathetic to those who need more time than it's allotted to them. Extend some grace to your providers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, so moving on again. So we're at the appointment. We arrived with enough time to do everything. We filled our paperwork for the internet survey people online. But those of us that did not get to that, we filled it out in the waiting room and everything is moving perfectly. What should we bring to this appointment? For instance, people who may have seen other primary care doctors, people with special medical conditions, Should they worry about bringing their records on some kind of a paper or CD or whatever? It's really good to have your past medical history and all of that on your person. In fact, actually, it's good for everybody to carry that in their wallet if you can, because, you know, we could all end up in your emergency room. And right, Dr. Tony, being able to see those medications and medical problems expediently is very helpful to you, wouldn't you say? Unfortunately, so, people come to see me, they may not always have that choice. But like you're suggesting, if you have you know, a list or something in your purse or wallet, yeah, it always does mm-hmm. help. It's, it's helpful. So one, you want to have a list of your medical conditions. Oftentimes, I'll see patients, I'll say, so do you have any medical problems? And then they say, no, I don't have any medical problems. Okay, well, what medications do you take? And then it's like the long laundry list, right? So You want to, medical problems does not imply that your chronic conditions are not well controlled. It just implies, do you have any conditions that you're being treated for? But you don't only want to list the things that you're being treated for currently. You want to have everything that you have ever been, you know, diagnosed with. Well, not like the cold, but, you know, major things that you've been diagnosed with, be it you had childhood asthma, even if it's resolved had diabetes in the past with one of your pregnancies, but you're not having it anymore. Whatever it is, you want to have that written down. If you have to bring your medical, um, if your medications with you, that's totally fine. You don't necessarily have to, as long as you have the name of your medication and not just the name, but the dose and the frequency, how often are you supposed to take it? This is extremely, extremely important because if we don't have that information, we can't send in a refill that is appropriate for, you know, what you're supposed to be taking. You want to know, have your allergies written down. You also want to list any supplements that you're taking because sometimes supplements can even interact with other medications. And sometimes you might be taking something that you don't even need to take. 
I had a patient come in with a supplement list of like 20 that he took every day. Stop. Okay. So allergies to any medication, any surgeries, you want to have all of that information on hand. It's actually important for me as the OBGYN because when a patient comes in, for example, if they want birth control, sometimes, you know, if they don't know the medications that they're on or what medical problems they have, it makes it difficult for me to decide what is going to be good for them. Um, that's not going to, you know, cause any problems with their medical problems. So it's really important to make sure you have or you know what medical issues you have, what medications you take. Even psych medications have an effect on, you know, your menstrual cycle and things of that nature. So we need to know those things. So it's really important that all of that information is brought to the appointment. And this underscores again, if you have that relationship with your doctor, you're not afraid, you're not shy to, you know, let them know all your diagnosis and everything that you take, especially the psych diagnosis. And if all else fails, bring all your bottles, bring everything you have at home, right? Yeah, and that's what I wanted to also reiterate that if you can, just bring all the bottles. I have a lot of patients who will say they'll have it written down, but they haven't updated the information on there in a while. So if you're going to write it down, please update it. If you know you haven't updated, I don't mind you bringing a whole basket, which I do have elderly patients mostly. So they have their own several medications. They bring them because sometimes you may have gone out and seen another doctor, right? And then you come in and you see me and then I'll go through the meds and I realize, oh, you're taking two of the same medicines, right? Somebody's taking atorvastatin. I'm giving you simvastatin. Your other doctor didn't know you were on this, so they started you on that. So yes. now we have to go and, you know, really go through the meds and take the ones that are needed, um, the ones that are not needed off. So it's, it's very, very important. If you can bring the bottles, that's great. If you can't, make sure your list is updated. And also wanted to say, as far as medical history is concerned, please, please do not hide anything from your doctor. Do not hide your diagnosis. I'm not, I think a lot of people are like, well, I'm not going to tell the doctor so that you can figure it out. Let me see if this doctor is good. I've heard that before. I want to go to the doctor. I don't tell them what's wrong with me. I just want them to figure it out. Unfortunately, I, I do need your symptoms to be able to tell you what's going on because as much as, you know, we have all this education, I still, I'm not clairvoyant, so I wouldn't be able to see and what's going just, on. People are scared of being judged. I think with the health police and the Pope, and we're going to look at them a certain way if you have a certain diagnosis, but that's, you know, that's just incorrect. Whew. We covered a lot of ground so far. So we will conclude here in the first part of our conversation with Dr. Sarah talking about what important pieces of information and items to bring with you to your doctor's appointment. Thank you for tuning in so far, and we will return next week and pick up with Dr. Marsha, our OBGYN, who um, goes on to discuss the importance of disclosing your full medical history to your primary care doctor. <music>